0: Long Talk Radio. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron.
1: Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people on
0: trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast, and around the world.
1: You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your
0: questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, all about wine is on. Here's Ron.
1: Yay! Yay! All right, thank you, thank you, best people, thank you. Very all right.
2: cool. You yeah, we're on. Uh, oh. welcome for the show.
1: Yeah, we're got a. We don't have a guest this week, so we're just going to talk to you all for a while about different stuff that I have not been able to cover over the past, oh, geez, uh, three months. We've had the luxury of having guests for the last three months. So uh, I haven't been able to pass some stuff on to you. Just some information that I think you might find interesting. And so, you know, I've got notes and all that laying around here that I've been accumulating, waiting for a time to be able to tell you this, and next week we don't have a guest either, so I'll be able to finish up on some of these things that I've been wanting to talk to you about. I have a wine tonight. This is a Montepulciano di Albruzzo Italian, Ooh. and it is.
2: Nope, cannot just- spell that one. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I know it's. Uh, uh, well, Montepassino, I know I pronounced right, but uh, the uh, Bruzo, Abruzzo, A-B-R-U-Z-Z-O, Abruzzo. I think it's Abruzzo. Bosco, it says on the bottle. I don't, uh, my uh, engineer picked this up. She came in and I said, where'd this come from? She says, I bought it. I said, oh, that's cool. 2017 uh, Italian Red Wine. And it's a Mont- Pasino grape. I guess it's 100%. It doesn't say anything else. Asian oak barrel and refined in the bottle. It says also ruby red. Uh, oh, it's hard to read this fine print. Ruby red, fine and uh, persistent with scents of blackberries and plum jam. I always like I haven't smelled it yet. It's in the glass here perfect with grilled red meat and aged cheese. And then it just gives information, uh, publisher, bottling, and all that stuff. Italian red wine. Uh, yeah, Montecino. It's I've had Montepulciano great before. Let me see. Let me give you a little description. Oh, rather dark in the color. That's good. Wow, it's very nice. And... Oh, the plum comes out. I like I really do enjoy wine that smells like a plum or or uh, dark jammy. Mm, nice, nice aroma, very very plummy aroma. Uh, it's and uh berries, dark berries. Oh my gosh, the plummy the plummy taste really does come out of this. That is amazing. Almost like uh, drinking plum wine. I mean, it's almost unbelievable how much that plum comes out in the taste. Uh, not overprying with alcohol. Uh, the oak aging. You're not picking up the oak uh, real strong. You can tell it was aging oak, but it's not real strong. It is drinkable now. It's a 2017 and definitely drinkable now. It is... Uh, a uh, little short, well, I can't say too short in the aftertaste. I'm, you know, the, the finish is is pleasant and it's nice. I like this. This is very, very good. That plumminess is amazing in the taste, though. That is really fascinating. So, all right. So, that's what I will be pausing periodically and sipping on tonight during the program. And, uh, So I've got things to talk about. First, though, I'm going to throw this over to Mike. And since we've had guests over the last three months or four months, gee, back – it started back in uh, September. Yeah, uh, October. Oh, yeah. We've we've had guests almost solid Mm -hmm. since October. And I think we've had our first one starting in September. But during that period of time, Mm -hmm. we've had all sorts of different people who – I have stuff that uh, I think y'all might be interested in. So I'm going to let Mike tell you about the guests, tell you what they're offering and, you know, follow up on it, if you will. So Mike, Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw this out to you.
2: Before I start that though, I am drinking as well. I have a nice um, filtered water. um, All right. That is in my, what do you call those aluminum cup things that keep ice for like four days or something. But anyway, I have one of those. And uh, I'm drinking drinking water what, tonight. Uh, what is the 2021? 2020 uh, 2021. Uh, it is a uh, uh, March um, blend of uh, activated charcoal. I'm guessing filter. Uh, whatever they put in those things, I don't know what. Oh, it
1: really? Oh, um, very good. The
2: getting, but, uh, what,
1: what the, what the color is it's nice it's and clear, crystal. You it's might say clear.
2: Yeah. For Florida water, it's it's not bad. Um, oh.
1: Yeah, well, you know, that's saying something too. Yes, oh, um, those Cypress Hills, to Florida, and that's sold around the world. So you know, I'm I,
2: you yeah. Know, yeah. It's along those lines, but uh, it it is filtered from the tap. I, I had to get one of those filters because the the water was the original tap water was just questionable, and um, so I had to I had to put something on it. And uh, yeah. smelling funny, or was smelling uh, a Ooh. little bit of uh, swamp. And uh, mm, Ooh. what was that? But, uh,
1: you know, uh, the municipalities, there's a lot of them in Florida that, that are mm-hmm. really not good municipality <laughs> waters. It, I don't know what yeah. it is in Florida. Maybe it's because <laughs> of the swampy water and all that. I, they don't get it's deep nasty. enough in the aquifer or something, but, oh, some of them are just yeah. nasty. So
2: Oh, they are. It, they're they're uh, Everglades flavor, I think. Yes, exactly. Um,
1: yeah. Although look, we've never yeah. sipped on the yeah. Everglades, we can imagine what it would no. be like.
2: Yum, yum. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that's what I'm drinking tonight uh, <laughs> right, to save my voice. Uh, October the 8th We had uh, co-directors Mark Johnson And Mark Ryan uh, And writer uh, Michael Karam um, And uh, They, they uh, did a movie together uh, um, The movie is about sur- Survival, resilience, and struggles It's called Wine and War The Untold Story of Wine In the Middle East and, uh, proceeds from uh, watching that movie go to a great cause called, uh, Cap Ho, C-A-P-H-O. For more information, go to com. You can click on the watch now button and it'll take you to, uh, uh, how you can watch it and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's really good. Uh, and it's, it's interesting. Uh, wine has been in uh, Lebanon culture for uh, over 7,000 years. So, uh, yeah, definitely a, a good watch. Um, uh, let's see. October 15th, we had uh, Jim Loughran, a uh, certified wine educator and author. You can uh, visit his website at jimloughran.com. That's J-I-M-L-A-U-G-H-R-E-N uh, dot com. And uh, he has uh, two uh, really cool guides uh, available, a 15-minute guide to red wine, uh, about 28 pages and uh, with uh, actual text and recommendations and a 15-minute guide to white wine. Uh, was a very very interesting guest and uh, talked about all kinds of things and it wasn't his first appearance on the show he was on uh earlier in the year i think i have to yeah, go back no. and find the date he's been oh, on a couple of even, times so
1: yeah yeah back in 2020 yeah,
2: yeah. yep Yeah. um and then uh, october 29th we had our special halloween special with the one and only joy neighbors uh she's been on the show quite a few times uh she's a uh yeah a big wine blogger, and uh, she also does a grave interest. uh, And her book is the Family Tree Cemetery Field Guide, How to Find, Record, and Preserve Your Ancestors' Graves. Uh, There's uh, quite a bit of topics, and and it's not like a creepy type of book. It's it's an informational and research type of book uh, to help you uh, uh, do your own research, uh, genealogy and uh, digging deeper, so to speak. Um, you know, finding records and preserving cemeteries as well. And it's available on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and others.
0: Did you get that November book? 19th? Hmm? Did you Not,
2: get that? Uh, did I? I thought I, I, thought I, I thought got you, it. I thought you
0: said something. Uh, you I got
2: to contact them twice. Yeah, I know. No. Hmm, well, I don't know. I got, you you, get you get said that.
1: something about ordering it. Uh, Speaking of Joy 2, uh, her latest... Yeah. Uh, blog for a Grave Interest has a, mm-hmm. it's a great little blog. It has cemetery uh, markings and headstones, mm-hmm. and it goes through what was popular during certain years and stuff like that, and granite and marble and stone and sandstone. And all that. very interesting. Um, I, yeah. I found so. Uh, a lot of you know, symbols,
2: two- and, uh, symbols and designs. There's there's all kinds of interesting things out there, and throughout history, yeah. just uh, looking at you know, how they, how they evolved. And, you know, it's, it's, it's and don't, it don't really think is. of a cemetery as a scary place. It's, it's a, it's really relaxing and
1: calm. Yeah. Yeah, very educational educational. So, yeah. But I just wanted um, to point you, that out. For
2: yeah, our absolutely. Books. absolutely. Uh, November 19th, we had Michael Brown, the author of Pinot Rocks. He's also a winemaker. Um, his book Pinot Rocks is available just about any format, uh, on Amazon.com. And there was an audio format that was um, done by William Shatner. Uh, he did the audiobook version of his book, which uh, is, is, you know, when you have William Shatner doing your audio
1: book, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Cool. You know, uh,
2: that's not small. Uh, January 14th, uh, the new year, we had uh, Cap Kaplowitz, uh podcaster and blogger uh, talking about cigars, coffee, wine, and more. You can visit his website at kaplowitz.xyz, that is K-A-P-L-O-W-I-T-Z dot X-Y-Z, and uh, be sure to tune in every Wednesday to his podcast, and I believe Ron himself here is uh, is a guest as well. A speaker, yeah, I'm a, I'm a
1: member. It, it's a roundtable discussion about wine, cigars. <laughs> Thank you. Bus uh, yeah. before I wake. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a roundtable discussion about cigars, uh, spirits, uh, coffee, and wine. And I'm the wine person in the roundtable. Actually, the discussion is on Wednesdays, but he usually puts it up and posts it, I think Thursday or Friday. I'm not, you know, but every week it's usually up by Friday. So uh, check that out. But go to his website, and there's links to everything.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, February 11th, we had uh, Jeff Bradford. He was the uh, he's the founder and producer of beer, wine and spirits. He's a filmmaker dedicated to revealing the stories behind the labels of our favorite drinks. And uh, so you definitely want to uh, check that out. Uh, Jeff Bradford back on February 11th. And more recently, we had Natalie McLean, who was a uh, podcast uh, host uh, called Unreserved Wine Talk uh, author also an author uh, her book is called red white and drink all over a wine soap journey from grape to glass and this is where's my uh hold on and <laughs> we'll have wait, all 11, i have the book in my hand now <laughs> you Really?
1: You have it,
2: it came in just today and oh. I opened it up. And I was like, oh my gosh. First thing I had to ask I haven't seen a book in so long. I didn't know what operating system it was. Um, uh, yeah, so I was, yeah. you know, other are are there apps or what? Because I'm not used to this. So I haven't. I mean, when you open it up, me, you it, said,
1: oh my gosh, everything is upside down and backward. And then you realize you opened the book yeah. from the back. And so, you know. Yeah.
2: And you know, I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, how to change the font, which is fine. Oh, yeah. But, uh, oh, no. Yeah, it's been interesting. But uh, to actually have a paper book, uh, you know, with paper in it, it's uh, just something I'm, I haven't seen in a long time since I went to one of those places where they have a whole bunch of these things. <laughs> Check them out or something. It's They were free, and I think you can go up and – anyway, I, don't, I forgot what it's called. But uh, so I got the book off of Amazon. Great price. It was only – it was less than five bucks. Wow. And it came in today, and I, I just couldn't wait to break into it. I'm only at page three, which is, <laughs> I'm still in the introduction. It's not much, but I will get to this because it looks like it's going to be a great read and um, really good. And I'm a slow reader, so uh, by next week I'll be on page seven. And um, but I'm going to I'm going to spend some time with this, and uh, I'm sure it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great read. The reviews were great, and I uh, can't wait to break into it. So that was Natalie McLean. She was on last week. And um that's her well, she, her book. Also, sure that, there's, another <clears throat> there's another one out there, but yeah.
1: Go Natalie on. also has a gift for all <laughs> all about wine readers too. Uh you can go to it's uh an ultimate guide to yeah. wine and pairings. And yep. it's free to the all about wine listeners at w dot Natalie M A C L E A N dot com slash all about wine. And so yeah
0: uh that's so cool.
1: that's, yeah that's uh she made that just just for the all about wine listeners, so that that's cool too, so check that one out yeah. also
2: absolutely um, and uh, I'm gonna add that to my my next thing, but um, yeah, we've had some fantastic guests and, and sorry about the uh, the winery guests there's you know we we could mention you as well, but it would take an entire show and a half just to mention all <laughs> of the uh wineries and uh,
1: all the wineries and all so the people.
2: Yeah, the list the list is huge, and we appreciate y'all for for coming on the show and uh, and spending your time with us and everything. And it's just uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. So, thank you fantastic. for that, and we're looking forward to, to more this year. So, uh, we are yeah. March fourth. Uh, yeah, um,
1: today no. today is Army Day, March fourth. Army, Day, really? March fourth. Huh. Yeah, it's just an old kid. I, our great school joke, March 4th. So it's Army Day.
2: Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, now I got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thank like, like, okay. you. Yeah. Well, uh, like March 4th. Uh, March
1: 4th. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got an email. Uh, it says they're putting on an event called Fire Starters. And it's a virtual festival of conversation. I, I'm I, I've never heard of this before, but they're asking me to be a guest speaker on it. Uh, it says the goal of the event is to spark a million conversations, get the UK talking to each other in support of mental well being. And it says it's uh, at the same time giving young people viable insights to help them move forward. And it's a, a different People, things, stuff, talk about what they're doing, and they make it available for kids in the United Kingdom to listen to it. It's uh, they uh, said uh, approximately four million sixteen to twenty four year olds get support from this, and it's called the Firestarter. I never heard of this before. I I think it's just a New England thing, a, a United Kingdom thing, but. This is pretty cool. Uh they uh have uh I the firestarters.co.uk if you want to check it out. www.thefirestarters.co.uk. and it's a pretty cool thing. I think I'm going to I just see this in a couple of days ago. Actually, 4 days ago now. And uh they've got different People from all over doing different types of talk and all that. So I thought it was pretty cool that I was invited to be a speaker on this thing. So I'm going to do that. But I, if you all might to check out that thing, it might be something that if any of you might be possible to talk on it yourself. So uh, I just want to point that out to the, the, the fire starters, uh, which, you know, pretty cool thing. Okay, thank you, Mike, for the for the list. I'm glad you brought all that up because I would have missed somebody. So, uh, and we're going to let Mike fade back into the background now because he was yep. losing his voice earlier, and we don't want him to talk too much. And so, we'll let you we'll save your voice. So you can yell at the proper people. Well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> spotted lanternfly, oh boy, that little pesky bug again, we've have talked about the spotted lanternfly a lot in fact, I've talked about the spotted lanternfly about two years ago when I first brought it up, saying that it is a problem and I guess it's been about four or five months now, uh, four or five months ago Smithsonian Magazine had an article on the spotted lanternfly telling how serious it was and talking all about it and all that. So I felt pretty cutting edge because of the fact that, hey, we had already discussed that and telling all about it. But the thing is, it is moving. It is not just in Pennsylvania anymore. It is going to other places, and it is going to other places faster than what they – Really wanted to do the spot on lanternfly described it to you and I talked all about all that. Go back and check out the episode where I really went to detail. I won't tell you this. I'm going to it again, but it. Is oh this is a long article here It tells all about it that is moving and everything else uh, really pretty comprehensive article here this is from who this is from winebusiness.com so of course we're gonna have a long article but it shows the spotted lanternfly it shows the egg sac it shows the bug pretty little bug it is a spotted little bug but it also has a list of insecticides that will kill it. And most of them are pretty excellent, but most of them, they're saying toxicity to bees, almost every one of them is high. So this is one of the problems with trying to find something that's going to kill the spotted lanternfly is high, uh, high toxicity to bees. Every one of them, I think, Wait a minute, there's, except for one, um, uh, paraffinic oil is the only one that is not a high level of killing bees. So, and that level is only for eggs of the spotlight on or flight. But it is moving south, it is moving east, it is moving west. Uh, it's the, uh, it's on the go. And it's becoming more and more in the radar of everybody because it is on the go. It is uh, creating a problem, not just in, Grapevines, but other stuff, but grapevines are the, the major thing, and netting is being used and different things to try to stop it. So, spot on liner of life uh, we've talked about it, but it is moving north into New York more, uh, southern Canada, it's moving back east from Pennsylvania, uh, New York, and, and New Jersey and Delaware, it is moving south. Faster than we want it to. They've found it as far south as Georgia and west, and it could be devastating if it gets all the way to the coast. So I will keep you up to date on this as I find out more, but I saw this here about the spotted lanternfly, and it's something that we have been discussing for off and on for a year now. So I wanted to point that out to you. The... um, Pandemic has created a whole bunch of different stuff for us. It has created a whole bunch of, well, a new normal, if you will. But one thing the pandemic has done is cause alcoholic consumption to be on the rise. Does that surprise anyone? The types of drink people are consuming uh, might be interesting, though. According to a survey from cashback app Ibotta, The leading drinks are from the spirits and hard liquor category. That's up 33% over pre-pandemic 2019. Wine is up 12%. Beer overall is really the surprise more than anything. Beer has dropped during the pandemic. It's down 2% compared to pre-pandemic numbers of 2019. And the biggest loser is imported craft beer. That category is down 17%. That does surprise me. Broken down further, though, uh, you go into subcategories. This is how it's, um, how it's broken down. Liquor is up 75%. Flavored wine is up 73%. Fortified wine, and that's your brandy and, uh, you yeah. know, Oh jeez, uh, that stuff fortified uh, is up fifty one percent tequila up forty percent whiskey up thirty nine brandy that's what I was trying to think of, but I didn't even put that under fortified. Brandy is up forty three percent flavored malt beverages up thirty four point four rice wine up thirty seven percent vodka up twenty six rose up twenty four gin up fourteen. Rum up 14 Red wine, just the category itself, is up 12%. And white wine, is category, is up 9%. So those are the categories. This is what's happened in the pandemic. And I think it's continuing over into 2021. These numbers and everything are starting to bleed over into, into this year as well. Bacardi has came out with biodegradable bottles and i am bringing this up this is they're actually using it on their rum uh, more than anything right now but the implications are that it can be used for other items besides just rum and that's why i wanted to let you know about this the oceans are well basically a sink for microplastics they're finding microplastics in just about everything but this new container that Bacardi's coming out with is completely biodegradable. It's plant-based PHA containers. Okay. Now I can tell you the whole full word here and I'll pronounce it wrong and everything, but just PHA is sufficient, I believe. So it's plant-based PHA containers, and it's going to be included in their entire portfolio, which includes Bombay Sapphire Gin, Grey Goose Vodka, Patron Tequila, Martini uh, Martini Vermouth, and Dewar's Scotch, which is quite a library of different drinks there. And it said it's... Uh, the bottles will biodegrade in a wide range of environments, including compost, soil, freshwater, and seawater after 18 months. Leaving behind no harmful microplastics. It just completely disappears. So that's really pretty cool. I, I saw that and if they're using it on all these different drinks then wine is not far behind I would guess and I would be a big advocate of that because the ocean is so full of microplastics and it's getting into fish and it's getting into people. They're tracing microplastics into people that have ate fish. So, a good thing. We hope more will come of this. It's uh, Bacardi. Good for them. Uh, let's see. Uh, Where is this? Oh. Well, no, that's... Oh, that's talking about the fire. Uh, I will talk a little bit more about the fires and different aspects of it here. This article is just about it. Uh, We, uh, oh, before I forget it, too, in two weeks, our guest is going to be uh, I have no idea because I started to talk about that before I pulled his name up here. Uh, Our guest in a couple weeks is going to be uh Anthony Zhang, he's the CEO of VinoVest, and I'd say I talked a lot about investing in wines and how big of a deal it is on how it's, you know, you really got to know what you're doing. Well, Anthony Zhang is the CEO of VinoVest, which is a wine investment venture company, I guess you would call it. They, uh, help you invest in wines and futures and all sorts of stuff in wine. So that should be good. That's in two weeks. I just, I was thumbing through here on notes and I saw that I wanted to bring that up to you. The, uh, uh, let's see, here it is. Our grocery store wines rigged. Now this is from wine folly. Uh, Madeline, uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, I can't think. Of her, can't get her last name here. Madeline is uh, wine author of Wine Folly. But the question is, are grocery store wines rigged? And you said, going to a grocery store, you buy wine, and then you wonder why you don't like it, and you hate to say it, but the wine retail is rigged. She's saying, big box wine retail business. It still runs on the probation air three-tier system. And I've talked about the three-tier system and it just absolutely drives me crazy and it's still in existence and it still runs. Uh, it hurts independent wineries. It hurts small retailers. It gouges the wine consumer and everything else. And so the, th- the three-tier system sucks. I hate it. You know, and a lot of people do. A lot of people in the wine business do. It's unlikely to change because that is how it's set up, and they are powerful. The middle man in the 3 tier system is very, very powerful. Southern Wine and Spirits is one of the big ones, and they – well, I'm not a big fan. I've had run-ins with Southern Wine and Spirits over the years, and I'm not a big fan of them. And But that's just one, and they control a lot. This is how it works. Basically – What happens is the producers, uh, grape growers and the wineries make the wine. Then the importers step into it, and these are the ones that bring it from overseas or wherever. Then the wholesalers step into it. Now, these are the distributors that are the big part of the wholesaler. These are the ones that take it out to the stores and everything else. Not directly from the wineries, but through importers and distributors. And then it goes to the retailers, the retails and the stores and the restaurants. And then finally, it gets to you and me. And by this time, the markups are outrageous. It is uh, something that you can sell for... You know, $10, by the time it gets all the way through the steps, that thing is almost doubled in price. And this applies to everything. You can go to a winery and pick up a bottle of something and then try to find it at a store, and you're going to see the price is going to be up because it's shipped. So the retail system is really, uh, you know, the markup. Uh, so when you go into a grocery store, and you pick up a wine that is marked at $11.99, you can imagine it is a pretty cheap wine. So you need to look more. You need to pick up a little bit more expensive wine because you are paying for the middleman and everything else. Now, you can go direct, and that is starting to do direct-to-consumer, DTC. And this is something that's happening all the time, more and more direct to consumers, but the middleman doesn't like this. He's saying this isn't right, and he's always screaming and complaining. So whenever you have any laws or anything going on in state legislatures trying to get it better for the middleman or for the uh, consumer, the middleman, which invariably is the uh, distributors are jumping in there, saying, "No, no, no, no! Wait, we can't do this. We got to do it this other way. We got to handle it this way." And because of that, we have a markup on all that stuff. And let me see, I where is it? I'm sitting there trying to find. I got a thing in, and I was going to. I had a good transition here and then I lost it, which is really sad because when you have yourself a good transition into something else and then you lose it, it makes it, it's a good transition anymore. It makes it rather rough like I'm going through right now. Let's see. It's not there. It's not there. It's not there. There it is. Okay. Uh, I, I finally found it. Uh, so, direct to consumer. This is what has been going on. FreeTheGrapes.org has been battling this forever and ever. FreeTheGrapes.org is located in California. If you don't have the app, or if you don't have their website, if you're not checking into it or anything, you really should because it's a great little site and tells you what's happening in this country with all that shipping and everything else. Well, many states are in session now. They're back in uh, the 1st of March. need to catch them fast because when government goes into session, they have to get things done in like two or three weeks because then it makes them really tired and they have to go home for two-month vacation or recess. So they're in session right now. But... The up to date direct to consumer DTC legislation is starting to hit in some of the states now. Tennessee, for one. Friends in Tennessee have heard we need to help urging lawmakers to reject House Bill 742, which will receive a vote this coming Tuesday. Let's see, this is, yeah, this coming Tuesday. Uh, House Bill 742 will eliminate. The ability to purchase and receive wines directly from your favorite wineries. There you go again. I told you, the middleman—that's that. That's, that kills these things. The bill calls for banning all winery direct shipments that are sent through a fulfillment house. Now, let me describe fulfillment houses. There are ways the wineries get around stuff. Uh, different California wineries will have a fulfillment house where they can ship to a physical building here in Florida and then ship to consumers that order stuff. It's it's a way to get around the letter of the law, but not really because it's understood and a lot of them do it. Time for a sip of wine.
2: yes, thank you.
1: (laughs) That's good. That still has the plumbiness, too, even after a half hour. So, H742, that's House Bill 742, and the Companion Senate Bill 705 wants to stop that. So if you're in Tennessee, get a hold of your legislatures. Contact them. New Jersey, also, is another one. Campaign continues in year two of the legislature session. Free the Grapes has expanded, an expanded group of stakeholders seek to overcome the existing capacity cap statute. Okay, they have a capacity cap in there, which again is, was argued with the middleman and distributors. Capacity cap in 2020, direct-to-consumer shipment volume increased 27% nationwide but only 3.5% New Jersey that's the lowest rate in any state because they have a capacity of how much you can get New Jersey people contact your state senators and let them know go, you can any of these you can go to freethegreefs.org and look at the alerts there they will tell you what's happening what's going on Alabama. Of the four remaining states that ban all shipments, Alabama now has a bill under consideration, the Senate Bill 146, that would create a winery direct-to-consumer shipping permit, allowing for shipments of up to 12 cases annually per customer. That's big, okay? Another bill, S-138, has been amended to include positive shipping language. So, Alabama is strict. We've talked to wineries and people in Alabama and all that, and they told us how strict it is. Alaska, here's another one. Senate Bill 9 would align the state shipping statutes with the Model Direct Shipping Bill, whose provisions are being widely used in other states. Arizona would amend the winery DTC law to include importers and distillers. Hawaii There are several bills there would add beer and spirits to their DTC laws. Indiana is another one, anticipating a bill to remove the state's wholesaler exclusion for DTC shipments. Again, the middleman, which bans winery direct-to-consumer shipments if the winery also has an in-state wholesaler. So if you have a wholesaler in the state, you can't sell directly to the consumer because then that would cut out the middleman. So they are looking at stopping that exclusion. Kentucky is, has a fix-it bill that allows shipments from fulfillment houses, which was not allowed under the law that was passed in 2020. So they're trying to get that taken care of. Mississippi has two DTC bills that died in committee in early February. Mississippi is another one of those tough states to get stuff done in. North Dakota would allow microbreweries to ship DTC. New Hampshire would allow the state's liquor commission to be a DTT shipper of wine and spirits. The bill has passed the Senate now is before the House. New York, there's a couple of them there. Uh, retailer DTC bill is supported by the National Association of Wine Retailers and Free the Grapes. Uh, it's in committee right now. It would authorize the direct-to-consumer shipping of up to 36 cases of spirits per consumer by a distiller, which spirits is, wine is included in that. Ohio has a DTC shipper bill to overcome the 250-gallon capacity. Uh, cap statutes in the legislature. Uh, Ohio and New Jersey are the only states with these capacity cap provisions. Oregon would increase the monthly direct-to-consumer shippers limit from three to five cases. That's a Bill S-406. Y'all can go to your state legislation and do this. I encourage you highly to do this. Go to your state website, your Senate website. I'm a member of the Florida website, and they give you updates and stuff on all the stuff. And most of the stuff is stuff you're not concerned about. At least I'm not. But national and state, you can become a, a part of the email of both these, and they keep you informed of what's going on and what's happening and stuff. And you really should. I mean, it's just, uh, I know government drags you nuts and everything, but 90% of the stuff I see, I just click out of and I don't worry about, but then every once while there's that extra 10% of stuff there. And particularly when it comes to wine bills and stuff like that, that you really should keep up on. And if you're listening to this show, I know you're interested in that stuff. So become a active member of, you write, uh, write in your letter letters, and you don't have to write a hard copy letter. There, a lot of times, when you get those sides, there is an email address. And you can just put a quick note in there. You know, like you know, pull your head out your ass and pass this bill. I mean, you know, sometimes that is enough if enough people say that. Rhode Island, uh, current on-site visit required. Uh, also known as a winery visit penalty. They're looking at rescinding that and stopping that, replacing that. Utah, this is a tough state here. Uh, Senate Bill 59 is intended to replace the Fall flawed special order bill from 2020. But it just seems like another special order bill. It doesn't really change too much of anything. So it's in the House Rules Committee right now. So it's got a ways to go before it gets up for votes. But still, i would be on top of that. And Wyoming had H-13 signed by the governor would become effective 7 twenty one, which increases the wine shipment limits from 4 to 12 cases a year. But it still includes an existing exclusion for wines sold through the state's control system. So that... Helps some, but it's not completely, totally great. So, so there you go. Prohibited shipment, there's only a few states. Utah, Mississippi, Alabama, and Delaware. That is prohibited shipping. Allowed with restrictions, a few more states. Arizona, Louisiana, Tennessee, Indiana, Ohio, Rhode Island, and New Jersey. And then the rest of the country allows shipping. So if you get on top of this stuff and start letting them, that is the winery to consumer shipping state law, uh, the ones I just told you there. That's uh, the ones we're more concerned about. Retailer to consumer state shipping laws are different. This is. Uh, uh, retailers, uh, liquor stores, stuff like this, these are different laws. These are the ones that are fall into a completely different category. Very few of those are allowed. Oregon, Nevada, North Dakota, Nebraska, Louisiana, Florida, West Virginia, Virginia, District of Columbia, Connecticut, and New Hampshire. That's it. Those are the only one, Or Alaska, I'm sorry. Those are the ones completely allowed. And then, then there's a, four of them here that allow with restrictions California, Idaho, Wyoming, and Nebraska. And all the rest of them prohibit retailers shipping to consumers. So, you know, there's a lot of work to be done on what's happening and how we can get our wine. And you say, you know, that doesn't seem like such a big deal, but it is a big deal. It really uh, prohibits direct shipping from different places stores and stuff and from uh big box stores and all sorts of stuff it's implications there on that so keep on top of this i will try to keep you informed this is stuff that i have just recently came on here i think i have something else here that i was going to mention along that same line let me see if i can't find that quickly here uh Changing, you know, this, this. no, no, all right, it's not important. I basically covered what I wanted to on that, so that's that's good. Three new can sizes for wine and cans has been approved. For TB. that's the back on trade bureau. these are the ones that give us our rules for, for wines and stuff. If you haven't been to ttb.gov, go to it. It's always a fun read. There's a lot of stuff there. There's a big section on wine, big section on beer, big section on spirits. And all the sections are just a lot of pages and all that. But there's if you go on the one on wine, you can see a bunch of cool stuff there. List of the grapes that are authorized to be sold in this country and you know, all sorts of cool stuff. But this is just passed, three new can sizes. Uh, This means winemakers can sell individual cans in the most popular 250 milliliter size, as well as the most popular size in parts of Europe, which is the 200 milliliter can. It also means wine can be packaged in the 355 milliliter can, which is a traditional 12 ounce beer can. So 355 is about the beer can size. The 200 is, uh, uh, well, a little bit more than half. The 250 is very popular wine can size. These are the ones that you normally see, 200 mil. This final rule amends the alcohol and, well, the TTB regulations that govern wine and spirits and adds seven new standards for filling of wine and distilled spirits. So it's not just wine, but it affects spirits also. The ruling has added the three sizes I just mentioned. The 200 milliliter, the 250 milliliter, and the 355 milliliter. And 355 is your standard beer can size. So current standard for wine fill are con- contained in subpart H, part 4, of the TTB regulations. And the term standard of fill is used in TTB regulations to tell you how much it is and all that. Rather than the size or the capacity of the container, standard of fill. Because it's government, they got to talk that way. Uh, Sometimes uses size or container size or standards of fill. Basically, it's interchangeable. But the following sizes are... Available for wine. These are authorized by the TTB to put wine in. Three liters. And that's the big one. Uh, That's your jug. 1.5 liter. That's your double bottle. The one liter. That's not your standard one that you see at the store. This is a quarter more than the standard. 750 milliliter. That's the one that you see all the time. That's your standard wine bottle. 500 milliliter. 375 milliliter, which is half of the standard, 355, the 250, and the 200 milliliters. These are all new ones. These are the ones that have just been added. The 187 milliliter, that is uh, the little small ones that you see. Uh, Sutter Home has their little four packs, and that is the 187. The 100 milliliter and the 50 milliliter. These are all authorized sizes. I don't think I've seen wine in a 50 milliliter package. That's awful small. That would be almost cost prohibitive to try to sell those and make anything. But those are the sizes that are available. So we got new sizes. So when you go out and start looking for can sizes and you're going to see different ones there now. New new sizes that are going to be available, which I guess is pretty cool. Of let's see, I'm I going to. Oh, this is. I said I was going to visit the fire again. Napa Sonoma wineries damaged in the glass fire. This is the one that the big one that area there. I never saw a list of the wineries that were affected. This is the list. These are the ones that were affected and suffered suffered the most damage at the glass fire, and that was back in uh, September, I believe. It started and it was put out uh, first of October, but the following wineries. And vineyards suffered the greatest amount of damage. Brethren's Family Winery, and I don't know what counties these are in. I mean, some of these could be in Upper Napa or Sonoma around that area, so I don't know. But that's all I know is I suppose you can look them up if you if I mention one of your favorite wineries, you you know where it is anyway. I said, brethrens, not brethren. Behrens, B-E-H-R-E-N-S, Behrens Family Winery. Burgess Cellars, Dutch Henry Winery, Eden Vineyards, that's E-E-D-E-N, Fairwind's Estate Winery, Flying Lady Winery and Estate, Hourglass Winery, Ritchie Creek Vineyard. Sherwin Family Vineyards, Spring Mountain Vineyards, Sterling Vineyards, Tofanelli Vineyards, Tuck Beckstoffer Vineyards, and Newton Vineyard. So these are all the ones that have serious damage from the fires last. Uh, well, Last quarter of last year, back in September, and that doesn't list the ones that had a little bit of damage. All that, these are the ones that have substantial damage. So, I want to give you that list. I, I saved this list here so I could pass on to you, and I it has gotten past me until just now, so I was able to. Define that and let's see, let's go back here to something else here that I was going to say. Uh, oh, oh, there's lots of little things here, but I'm not going to get into all this different ones with you. Of uh, the effects of the adjustment of Paris and Napa. Uh, that's uh, an interesting point there, how that affects realities of smoke. A good article, it talks about how smoke taint has affected the winery, especially in Oregon and uh, that area there. Uh, uh, making of a hundred point wine, these might be things I get into next week with you, too. A little bit longer there. Uh, eight wine podcasts listening to, uh, amazing nature document. No, that's not it. Uh, winemakers still fighting the clone war. Uh, I, we've talked about clones a lot and it's something that is continuously going on. And like one of our guests Tota's, you know, you, you find the clone that works best for you. You find the one that, is what you want in that particular grape, and you use that. And if that doesn't work for you, then there are lots of others out there. And we talk a lot about the Pinot Noir clone, but there is clones for every grape. The Cabernet has quite a few clones. Chardonnay has a lot of different clones. So all these different clones are out there, and they are available, and they are uh, being grown and used by different wineries. And I I, want to say, no, you would not be able to tell the difference, but maybe you might be able to. I mean, the big difference in the clones, if you have wines made from one clone or another next to each other, you might find different things about them that you say, wow, I never realized. Here's something that I talked about a little bit, and I found this. This is a long article. I haven't read it all the way through. It just came in. But the question on this article, will the new president remove the wine tariffs? And so far, no. Uh, he has put a three-month moratorium on wine tariffs out of the United Kingdom. But he hasn't really addressed the faux tariffs on the wine coming in and I don't know, it's still up in the air. I'll find out more about it, but I, uh, this article pumped up here is will the new president change the tariffs? And it's, it's still up in the air. He has been doing his uh, putting his uh, executive pin to much use with his executive orders, but I don't haven't seen anything where he has addressed all the tariffs coming out of Europe for wine and spirits he has used it for a lot of other stuff so I'll see if I can't find anything that says that he has addressed uh, the tariffs uh, he uh, they want him to. Uh, that's you know, but uh, the budget office is allowed to consider income from tariffs in any of the matters, and so it's it costs the United States zero dollars to do the tariffs or not do the tariffs. So it, it's it's a no-brainer. But nothing has been addressed as of well, what date of this writing? This date of this writing is three days ago. So I will follow up. I will see what I can find on this. If I can find some more information on what the president has done for the tariffs. And I will definitely let you know. Wishme Oak winery. This is in Northern Florida. They are open again for just about everything. They have, uh, The uh, Blues Fest coming up on March 4th, which is today. Oh, my gosh. I didn't realize. Uh, So that's not going to do you any good. The yoga class has been canceled this week uh, for no other reason than the fact that the teachers and nurses, she's been called away to do stuff. Dinner is still being served, though. Their steak night, award-winning steak night, is still available every week. $29.50 per person does not include the gratuity tax or alcohol. And uh, reservation required, the choice between surf and turf, uh, grilled beef medallion uh, uh, and grilled shrimp or just grilled beef medallion or 12-ounce ribeye or 12-ounce salmon, includes potato, vegetables, baked beans, uh, salad or soup, and baked bread. So, nice place up there. Not a good place this Saturday. We're supposed to get rain all around here this Saturday, but uh, it's a good place to go. Plus, they have live music coming up uh, March the 5th, tomorrow, the MUDS. The 6th, John Carter. The 6th also, Mike Webb. And the 7th, Richie Q. I think they might get rained out on the ones on Saturday on the 6th. That's doesn't look good here. So that's Whispering Oaks. You can go to Wines of Florida and check out Whispering Oaks. And let's see. Uh, well, I know I had a couple more wines I wanted to tell you about, too. Where are they? Our standard ones. I mean, you know, I, I've told you it's been a while since I've talked about them because we have an oh, Tassel Ridge. Tassel Ridge, located in southeast Iowa, uh, they are doing Mediterranean beef pitas uh, for picnic. They have a, uh, a patio, picnic patio set up. You can order food there. They have wine and chocolate pairings, and they have a virtual tasting on almost all their wines, if you want to do that. They have an Iowa cheese board, which is pretty cool. It breaks down the different cheeses made in the state of Iowa and all sorts of stuff. They uh, are always doing stuff there at Tassel Ridge Winery. They're located in, well... Uh, Leighton, or Leighton, Iowa, which is southeast of Des Moines, and so you can check that out. You can go to Tassel Ridge. What is it? Tasselridge.com or TasselridgeWinery.com. Let me see. Let me go back up here to the top, and I will be able to tell you. Tasselridge.com. So go to Tasselridge.com and check them out if you're in that part of the. Of the country, and then whoops uh, let's see Wolf's Vineyards, and uh, this is our last one here. Uh, Little Springs Inn and Spa, formerly the Sutter Inn is hosting Wolf's Vineyard Wine Dinner. And that is on the 13th from 5 to 9 in the ballroom. That's $70 per person, tax and gratuity included. It is a five-course meal. And each course consists of a wine to go with it. And, oh, my gosh, I just looked at this. The first course is uh, warm Ozu. Arati, Arati, I-R-A-T-R-Y, which is sheep's milk, blackberry, honey, cracked black pepper, crispy briscuda, and toasted French bread. The second course is lobster and pea pepperdell, tarragon and chalet butter. Third course, spinach and goat cheese, toasted pine nuts, with white balsamic vinegar or vinaigrette. fourth course, petite petite Filet Mignon with red wine reduction, celery ruse puree, charred carrots, microgreen salad, and chive oil. And then the fifth course, lemon cheesecake, wine stewed strawberries, blueberry puree, graham cracker crumble, and white chocolate. Oh, my gosh, that sounds fantastic. That's coming up on the 13th. And they are located way up in Pennsylvania, Manheim, Pennsylvania. So if you want to get a hold of them, then you can do so. Go to www.waltz, W-A-L-T-Z, You can make your reservations for the meals and uh, check them out. It's supposed to be really nice up there for the next week or two. So now's a good time to start going back to them. And I think that's it. Do I have any others? Well, yeah, Enery River. Henry River sent me an email, but I don't know what I did with it. The Enery River is is located in uh, North Carolina, I believe. And is it here? Uh, oh, no, it's not Tassel Ridge and Waltz and no, no Henry River. Only Henry River is open. They have uh, picnics and stuff coming up there too. They're located in North Carolina or South Carolina. So visit your local wineries. They are always, always a good place to spend an afternoon. A lot of your Mask requirements are still in effect, but you can go outside to the tables. Almost every single winery I know of has a sitting area outside, so you can always get a bottle of wine and go outside and drink the wines. And some of them have flights, so you can get yourself a, a table or a tray of different wines and their their flights that they have all sorts of ways you can visit your local wineries. Everybody's still hurting from the bad 2020. So patronize and visit all of your local wineries and keep them busy and make them happy. And we all will be happy on that. So, and I think we will close it up for tonight.
2: righty. Um, ah, sounds good. I, uh, there was something I was well, I don't even remember myself. Um, all right, never mind. <laughs> that idea. was me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> never mind. Um, yeah, remember never mind. Em- <laughs> Emily <laughs> Pertilla, you remember Saturday Night oh, Live? Yeah, yeah. Never mind. Never <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> one I've just yeah. reminded of the other day. She was saying, Why should we have Equal right for egos. Egos are already have their equal rights. We don't need to add one to the egos. And Chevy Chase says, Emily, that's the equal equal rights amendment. She goes, oh, Mm -hmm. never mind. Mm (laughs) 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 rights. Hilarious. She was hilarious. Yep. Gilda Ratner.
2: Yeah.
1: Gilda Ratner. If, y'all, yep. if anybody's out there not familiar with Gilda Radner, look her up on YouTube and listen to some of the stuff she did. She, you will laugh. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Great talent.
2: There. Uh, yeah. Great talent. And, uh, yep. One of the greats. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to go ahead and close the show for today, March uh, 4th, uh, Thursday. And uh, we will see you all next week will not technically see you but you know yeah. um
1: <laughs> you don't know it but <laughs> yeah. we do <too> see you
2: <laughs> oh uh March 11th <laughs> March yeah, 11th Martin. we'll be back at 7pm Eastern time for another uh great uh show on all about wine and of course don't forget uh in two weeks we do have another guest coming up so uh we'll inform you more about that uh uh next week and let you know uh I guess that's it. Have a great week. Great weekend. Be safe. And um, thank you for tuning patronize in.
1: Patronize All of our, our guests and you know, all the list that Mike mm-hmm. told you, Brian patronize our guests. And uh, again, like Mike said, be safe out there and we'll see you next week. Yeah. Thank you.
0: This concludes tonight's broadcast of all about wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to all about wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwine.com. Our shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at about Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly. And we'll see you next time on All About
1: Wine. People are going, I'm hearing echoes. <laughs>
2: Yeah. (laughs) All right. Oh, we're still here. Let me go to back to the green room. Back to the green room.